Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to What Happened to You. Today's episode is brought to you by our monthly donors. Thank you all for your consistent contributions to the podcast and to everyone who's made individual donations as well. Without all of your support, this wouldn't be possible. So thank you so much. And if you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast, there's a link in the description. And now, this is episode eight with Gentry Bentley. Hey, can you hey, hear me? Gentry. <laughs> there we go. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so yeah. glad to have you here. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. I had to do a lot of like mental preparing for it, but it's it's amazing. I mean, I'm like in love with the concept of this and I have to applaud you actually because you speak about this with no shame. Like it's crazy. It's such a thing that most people have like such a a large amount of shame attached to and you just don't have that and it stuck out to me so much I just like I had to reach out and I'm I'm so excited to finally be here dude I really appreciate you saying that thank you and I feel like that's why this is such a big problem is because of the shame that's associated with it I mean I, I felt shame for so long that's a big reason why it took me two years to tell my parents about what had been going on was just because it's embarrassing, you know, and I feel like yeah. that's one of the default emotions that we feel when you're going through something like abuse or any kind of trauma really is just like embarrassment, shame, all of these things that we don't need to feel. I mean, it's, it's totally natural to feel that way, but we don't have to harbor that shame and, and guilt as well. It's like, we don't have to bear that burden anymore. This happened to me and you know, it's, it's okay. It's not, I know, but it's rare. You don't see that super often. You don't see a lot of people that have gone through things like this and then just have this ability to speak about it. Like I, I could not see that and then not reach out and just have, I just had to tell you because it was such a, um, so amazing and hopeful and encouraging for anybody that might not be in that place who might not be as far as you are in the process of, kind of the process you have to go through with something like this but it's great so it's it is crazy to me that I'm even doing this I would have never imagined (laughs) that I would that I would speak like this but it's kind of the perfect place it's like the perfect platform to do it on because you're just here as yourself you're not here as like attached to your job or to your friends or family like it's really just it's a safe place and there's not a lot of places like that so a hundred percent, man. I'm happy that you felt like you could come on here and share your story. And um, yeah, man, without further ado, what happened to you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I mean, I guess I'll just get right into it because I had to give a lot of thought onto how I would even share what happened to me because a lot of people who've been on here have had like a long kind of drawn out molestation or grooming process. And I didn't have that. I actually wasn't molested. I was raped. And so what happened to me was I was, I was four years old and my family took a trip to Minnesota to go visit my grandpa. And I guess one of the things that I don't have, like none of us can really remember exactly what happened and how this scenario even was created and how I was like in this position to begin with. But Mm -hmm. somehow uh, what, one of the things that my dad would usually do is he would come back early when we go on like trips like that, because he'd have to work. So I think that's, it was, it had to have been like towards the end of the trip. And then my mom I think at that time, I only had two brothers. Um, I don't think the fourth was born yet. So my mom had taken them to go go get groceries or some sort of thing. And so I was left alone with my grandpa, which wouldn't have been a big issue to anybody in my family because nobody would have thought, nobody would have ever thought that what happened would happen. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, it was like 
it happened so fast. It was only a matter of minutes before my mom walked out the door with everybody and my grandpa was like on me. It was, it was the craziest. I mean, to this day, I have a hard time describing what happened because I don't know in his mind, I don't know what happened. I've never seen anything like this before. And I don't feel like I've seen it accurately depicted in anything when, I mean, it was just a complete snap inside of himself. Like he had the opportunity, he had a kid alone that he was with who he knew he'd be alone with for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And he just broke. I mean, he was so angry at me for nothing. I didn't do anything. It was just, yeah. I mean, it was, this is what happens when you have years and years of holding back and restraining yourself and not getting help and refusing help like in every way you possibly can. And all of it comes to a point one day and you just explode. And so that's exactly what happened with him. Um, But one one of the first things he did was he tried to have sex with me, but I was actually too small of a person. And so we ended up having to use a finger because he couldn't fit. And so I don't, I don't remember how long that lasted. Like, I'm not sure. I, I'm really foggy on like the times and how long things were because I think I was just in and out of like being present. And yeah, then, and, um, and you're four. I mean, yeah, and I'm four years old, so it's like it's a distant anything. memory. Yeah. It took me a long time, but yeah. So um, that was like the first thing he did. I remember, and then that made him more angry that he wasn't a- that he wasn't able to actually like fit inside of me, and so he ended up then turning me around and forcing me to give him a blowjob. And I think that was the part that was the most, I don't even think the word blowjob, like <laughs> it doesn't even summarize what it was because that almost sounds like a nice, <laughs> pleasurable thing. It was right, not at right. all. It was a horrifying, like really, really, really aggressive, violent thing. And so I couldn't breathe. And I remember just, I had to, as a four-year-old and nobody should have to go through this at any stage of life. But I think especially when you're a child and you're in a developing stage these things hit a little bit harder, but yeah, I had to actually, I remember thinking and having to come to terms with the fact that I may not see my parents again. Like I might actually die right here. I don't know that he would do this to me and then not kill me. Like, I mean, these are insane thoughts that I remember just having to, they all were just going through my mind, like in a matter of seconds and just having to kind of sit back and, and realize that, I can't do anything about this. I can't fight it. I can't, um, there was just nothing I could do. And so that was pretty crazy to, to, um, hit that point. And after I did, I just slipped immediately into dissociation, which became a massive problem for me. Like later in life, I immediately just kind of slipped into dissociation. I think when I had to have those thoughts of like, I might actually die and I have to figure out how, I'm going to get through this and how I'm going to try to make it like it's painless for myself. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that became a massive issue like later in life because (laughs) it actually became something that I became very addicted to was that dissociative state. And so I would use it like a drug or I would use it as something kind of, I mean, yeah, I I would use it like a drug. It was crazy. And, but anyways, so back to that, if I think if that was all that happened, I would have been, I would have been messed up. I would have definitely had some serious problems, but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was the second part of it. <laughs> it was the second part of it that I think did the most long lasting, like mental damage. So there had been some time that had gone by, like from, from that 
happening. And I guess my grandpa just came back to his senses and kind of came back to himself and realized what he had just done. And he was freaking out and crying and like, and my, my grandpa was like a, a veteran, like immigrant German raised per like he was not emotional. He was not the type of person to cry. He wasn't the type of person to break or to snap. Like uh-huh. it was that in itself, like seeing him fall apart like this was so traumatic. It was crazy. Cause I'd never seen anybody do this before. Um, not even like a little kid. I mean, it was beyond that. It was like, it was the craziest meltdown I've ever seen. And so yeah, he's just apologizing to me and telling me he's so sorry. I can't tell anybody. And he's, I mean, there was blood. There was, I was, yeah. I don't know. I still, to this day, don't know how we both acted like nothing happened. Like when my mom did come back with my brothers, we, we can't figure out like how there was, how we didn't know. But <laughs> yeah, um, That's wild. It's so insane. I mean, yeah, he cleaned me up a little bit. And then I remember that I went back. I just went to sleep after the whole thing happened. But before that, so as he's apologizing to me and as he's just kind of like losing it and crying, he actually then gave me a blowjob. Like after the whole thing, like that was his way of apologizing. That was his way of like showing that he was genuine. And it's so like, it's so crazy because that, that became something that ruined. I mean, I I can't say it ruined my life because I had so many experiences that ended up making me so much, so much stronger and knowing myself so much better. But that, I think that was the thing that did the most damage to my brain because it rewired me to think that a certain thing was normal. And that the certain thing was the way that you show somebody that you're genuine or that you apologize to them or any, anything that had to do with love or sincerity also had to do with sex basically from that point on for my life. Yeah. It was, it was insane. Um, so yeah, I think my, my memory, my last memory after that is going to bed and then I think when I woke up the next day, I had put it so far in the back of my head, it was as if it didn't happen. So I, all of that happened and I couldn't remember a single part of it until I was 18 years old. So, <laughs> so I lived Classic. all this time in yeah. between four years old to 18 with every issue and every problem you can imagine coming from having a, an experience like that, but having like nowhere to place it mm-hmm. and having nowhere to say, this is where it came from. This is why I need help. I need help in this area. And I mean, fuck, that was, that was brutal. I mean, my childhood sucked because of that. And I, even into my adulthood, there were so many problems because I never got the help that I needed. Nobody ever found out. My parents didn't know. My grandpa didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anyone because I really couldn't even remember it. And I think I was just so scared of it. There was so much fear involved. It wasn't something that I could open up. Like I I couldn't um, get there mentally. I just could not handle like what, I couldn't handle facing that because I, in looking back at it, I thought a lot about the experience, but I thought about it indirectly. So it would show up in like other weird parts of my life where I would, I'd realize I was like daydreaming about stuff or dozing off to something else. And it wasn't until years later when I actually really figured stuff out that I realized that um, there's a reason that I was so fucking crazy growing up and that my life was so crazy at so many different points um, because I didn't know how to help myself and nobody else did either. Yeah, dude, that is so wild. So y- even though you hadn't f- actually remembered it until you were 18, you mm-hmm. were still having experiences that like oh day- daydreams and things that maybe were correlated, obviously were correlated to yeah. what happened to you. I feel like that's one of the things, one of the reasons people 
tend to just push these things down and try not to deal with them is because it feels like it feels easier. It feels like you're able to just kind of move on with life and just put it in the past and not yeah. think about it. But it's like way the easier. Right, right. But the reality is it's like it's it's manifesting. It's does it's not going away, you know? No. Until you deal with it, it's there forever. And and I feel like you are so unaware of the ways that it's impacting you. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I had these horrible back spasms when I was getting molested. And as soon as I spoke up about it, they went away immediately. And oh, wow. Really? Yeah, man. Like I mean, you would have a physical reaction to what do you think it had to do with? Like, how do you well, think it that wasn't, was correlated? It wasn't, it wasn't while I was getting molested. It was actually just randomly, like at other points in time in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I remember my parents and I were driving down to Santa Cruz. Um, I think it was maybe a year into the molestation. And I was like screaming in agony from these back spasms that like I had no reason to have them. I was perfectly healthy. Yeah. Um, but that's what I mean is that like, even though we might think that I'm doing better because I haven't told anybody about this and that mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about it. It's, it's manifesting in all sorts of ways, physically and emotionally, that oftentimes you're not aware of. I didn't know that that was the reason that I was having those back spasms, but as soon as I spoke up, they went away forever. And it's like, oh, well, obviously that's why I was yeah. having those. But yeah, man, that is, that is crazy. What were the experiences like that you had before you ended up it before you turned it before you were 18 and and remembered what happened what, oh what were God. the sort I of mean, experiences like i don't even know where to start it was so <laughs> there was so much that happened because um it's a lot of years of life and like it's a lot of childhood but i think um i was just a very very unhappy kid like i had happy moments i had in on the outside nobody could figure it out because i have two parents that are together um i've, I've been private school all this time. And so everything looks perfect, like on the outside. And I have three younger brothers who had none of the problems that I had. And so it did nothing made sense. It was really weird to like anybody that knew me. It was weird for me. It was weird for my parents. Like no one could figure it out. And I was just incredibly unhappy, very depressed all the time, always had problems. Like I was just always, and it reached a point in like middle school, kind of end elementary school, but really middle school where I was just always in trouble. I was always in trouble constantly. Like I could not get away from it. It was just something that it seemed like it followed me. And there was just this thing over my head that like, wouldn't allow me to, (laughs) to kind of like not be a little rebel in like an annoying way though. In like a way that it was just not, it sucked. It was something in me could not listen where even when I knew that something, even when I was told like not to do something because it's stupid. And I knew, and I knew that I fully believed it and knew that like, don't do that. It's dumb. You're, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I would have to do it anyways. And I'd even like tell myself like, Oh, well, because you know, it's dumb. Like you'll be fine when you're doing it. Cause like, you know, it's dumb. Like, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, I yeah, had the yeah, craziest yeah. reasonings for like yeah. doing stuff, but yeah, I was just incredibly unhappy. And I think that actually reached a point in seventh grade for me where I was so unhappy. And so uh, I didn't know how I'd ever live without it. I didn't know how I would ever become happy. I didn't know how other people did it. I, I had no, I didn't really have anything to point to except like my family and my parents, my parents were really happy. So mm-hmm. I looked at them and I couldn't imagine how I could be that, that way one day. Um, and so I had actually planned a suicide in seventh grade. How old are you in seventh grade? Like, I don't um, know. let's see, you are 11, I, was, I think. Yeah. Like 11 or 12. Yeah. So at some point, one of those ages, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I had planned a suicide and I, 
I had like stolen a knife out of the kitchen and like hit it somewhere in the bathroom because I just wanted to be somewhere comfortable and I wanted to be like in warmth, which is so stupid. Like looking back at it now, because I'm like, <laughs> your whole family has to walk in on you naked. And you're like, there's nothing, there's nothing smart about like that going out that way. <laughs> so yeah. At the time though, I just wanted to be comfortable. So, Hey, that's a fair rationalization. That's yeah, I guess sure. so. Um, so yeah, I had planned that. And I remember like the day came that I was going to do it. And I just got in the shower and I had the knife with me and I could not, figure out like I just I was so 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 unhappy it felt like it was in my bones this like overwhelming fear and depression that I could not explain and I had nowhere to to say that like this is where it's coming from this is where you need help you just have to ask the right questions you just have to go to the right people um so yeah I had planned it I had I was sitting there and I just remember and I'm not a religious person but I grew up in a very religious household Mm -hmm. and I think at this time I was more religious and I just remember praying and I was like sobbing trying to figure out like is this really something I want to do and if there's any reason that I shouldn't do this like tell me like someone give me some sort of a sign like Mm -hmm. to why I shouldn't do this and I just thought about my family and I thought about I wanted so badly to be selfish. I wanted so badly to do it for myself. Um, And I just got like images of my parents and them having to walk in on that and actually like see that. And they're the ones that have to find me and they have to call the police or whoever. And then my brothers that I'm leaving behind, like there would be so much trauma and so much chaos that would, that would follow. And so, yeah, um, I actually had to, I had to really, I was very angry about that for a while because the only reason I didn't do it for a, for a long time was because of my family. And I remember being upset that I couldn't, um, that I couldn't just do it for me. Cause I really didn't want to be here. I really did not want to be, um, I did not want to be on this earth. I didn't want to have these feelings. I didn't want to be myself. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy to even like go back to this place. Cause I'm so far from it now. Like I'm not yeah. a person by any means. I, I, I almost feel like I'm talking about another person. Like looking <laughs> yeah. at this, cause it's not me anymore, mm-hmm. but yeah, for whatever reason I didn't do it. I just put the knife down and I actually like, didn't put it away though. I, I tucked it back where I'd put it in like the secret bathroom spot that I found. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause I, I knew like, okay, maybe I'm not going to do it now for my family, but I might do it later. And somebody in my house ended up finding the knife and taking it and bringing it back to the kitchen. And then my parents like locked up all the knives so I couldn't get anything. And it was, it was, I mean, that was so embarrassing in itself. Cause I like, I don't think anybody knew how upset and how um, angry I just had this rage, like unbelievable rage that was in me and again i mean none of these things had reasons none of these things had they did in reality but at the right. time like we didn't know that and so yeah it i was feel like that could even make wild. it more more difficult like not being able mm-hmm. to pinpoint why you're feeling this way oh my god it, it, I, my life would have been so different had like somebody walked in on that or someone had like known or there was some sort of way someone found out and i got help earlier but yeah it ended up like affecting so much of my life. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So anyways, that happened in eighth, the seventh grade. And I think after my parents found that knife and just, I continued to do worse and worse and worse in that grade. They took me out. Um, I was homeschooled for eighth grade. I went to my first therapist and I got a lot better and I finally got some help. I mean, I didn't have help like 
in the specific area that I probably really needed it, but I was getting, <laughs> yeah. I was getting professional help. And so like, that was, mm-hmm. that was amazing. Um, I felt a lot better. And then by the time ninth grade came around, I thought it would be a good idea for me to go back to school. And so I went to a whole new school. I didn't know anybody there. And that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted a new start, like away from everything I knew. It's funny. I actually ended up going to like the rival school of like <laughs> my, my middle school, which is probably another part of me. That's just, I, I don't have it so much now, but as a kid, I just wanted to do everything I wasn't supposed to do. Yeah. And I, I just rebelled against everything that I like was not technically allowed to do or was like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. like the un yeah, it stupid. So yeah, I ended no, up going not there. that stupid. It's totally such a reasonable <laughs> reaction given the circumstances. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> I didn't like, um, well, I had a zero trust for people mm-hmm. in, in, in all forms because I, I especially didn't have trust in like adult men. Um, yeah. But I was raw. I mean, I had, I didn't trust my family because it happened to me by my family. Right. I didn't trust my brothers, my mom, my dad, my teachers, nothing. So I had, I lived very, in a very lonely world of having to kind of figure out things on my own. And even if I had like spoken up about some stuff or I had uh, asked for help in other areas of my life, there was always a big major component that didn't have any help, did, had no resolution. So well, how yeah, could I think you that's trust? where it came from. Yeah, I, mean, I know. How could you? Who do you trust? No, I mean, I mean it, and that's yeah. like when you get introduced to something like that. I mean, at that at age four, right? We've been thinking thoughts for like maybe six months. I don't exactly. even know. You don't like, even have like a full uh, language. No, like you can't even you speak. barely can speak at all. Like, yeah. and and to think that that was like the concept of trust was probably just recently introduced to your brain, maybe mm-hmm. just before that experience, or maybe a little bit after. But I mean. It would be, it would be, it wouldn't make any sense for you to be trusting people after having an experience like that, especially a family member who you, of course, trusted before that happened. Maybe even if you didn't have the the words yet, you, you, it, uh, trust is definitely a feeling, and yeah. and and no having that. Fe- having that feeling with somebody like your grandfather, somebody that your mom felt like she could leave you with and then go off with your brothers and mm-hmm. then to experience what you experience after after trusting I, you would never trust again i think it's completely reasonable all of the reactions that you're having yeah yeah so i just i rebelled against everything um and <laughs> it gave me it had a lot of problems but i think at the same time um i don't really regret any of that because i'm like i would have done it at some point and i'm glad i did it while i was young and i could like yeah. play the young card and uh-huh. just be like the little emo kid that was unhappy and like yeah. didn't want to do anything he was told but yeah i think yeah so anyways i go i go back to school in ninth grade mm-hmm. and that was fine i did i basically what that was was like training for me to start putting and implementing all the things that my therapist was telling me to do because I hadn't really, it was all new for me. I hadn't done a lot of these healthy things. Also, I haven't even mentioned, I had a very unhealthy brain. Like the way, like the rewiring that that did to me mm-hmm. was something that I, because I never spoke about it and because I never, I couldn't even remember for a really long time that it happened. Um, I never knew to express some of the stuff that was going on in my head and to express the fact that like, I just, I, I can't even, at the time I would have even, I would have never even known that there was anything to express because it was just the way I thought. It was just yeah. the way that things were for me. 
So anyways, I went back in ninth grade and it was great. And then I had this crazy, um, I just, I had really just lied about everything. Like I lied to everybody about everything. I lied, especially to my parents. And I mean, like mm-hmm. everything, like things that made no sense, like the smallest little stuff that had, <laughs> there was no reason to lie about it by any means. And Dude, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was the exact same way. Really? I and think, it was, yeah, what is that about us? That we, <laughs> well, you know what it is? I, well, I mean, one of the reasons is probably just that we were in a position where, you know, whether we're consciously lying or subconsciously lying, we are lying and it's mm-hmm. our default. It's the experience that you had, right? Even though you might not have remembered it at the time, it was still in your mind somewhere. Yeah. And I think just knowing that, you had that trauma and, and the same thing with me, we had this trauma that we didn't say anything about. And it just felt like, you know, I guess maybe in the same way, like we were talking about earlier, how it feels like it's easier to not express these things. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just feels like it's easier to lie. And I would, dude, I would lie about the dumbest shit. Like it wouldn't <laughs> even make any sense. Like I have no reason to lie about so many yeah. of these things. And yet I just did it. I think it's just habitual. Like, I was yeah. just like, well, I lied about getting molested for two. It wasn't even, again, it was a lie by omission. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't being like, I would, I'm not getting molested. Nobody ever asked yeah. me until I talked to my mom about it. But I, I still was not telling the truth about what was going on with me. And so mm-hmm. I think it's just how we were coping, I guess. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I mean, I guess if you're lying about something that's so big, and again, sometimes it's not a conscious lie. I mean, for me, it was just, I was almost lying to myself more than anybody, yeah. but yeah, then, I mean, every other, everything aside of that, like seems pretty small because <laughs> right. that's such a big thing. And who cares if you lie about other things that like don't mean so much. So maybe but, that's yeah. what it is then is that maybe lying about small things makes the lying about big, whatever you're lying about that is huge seem less significant because exactly. you're just always lying. What is reality? Yeah. Well, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. how I was. It's yeah. just every little thing like that I had no reason to lie about. And, <laughs> and it, it was bad. Like I'd been kicked off the track team because I was failing like my math class. I'd actually been taken out of math like I was feeling so bad they were like let's just get rid of the whole class until next year like they they literally (laughs) took me out of the class and like gave me a little like office job during that period like at school and it was that bad but I don't think my parents didn't know that and so because of that I couldn't play track and so what I would do is I'd end up like going to a friend's house and like smoking and drinking and then I'd go mm-hmm. back to school and put my clothes on and act like I just got done with practice and so <laughs> and, and my, like my parents had no idea and I yeah. also j- just things like that like that's kind of the way my life looked at that point everything everything was a lie to like the little stuff to the big stuff I just nobody really knew me and especially the people that would have thought they'd know me the most yeah. they just nobody really had an accurate um idea of everything that was going on and everything I was actually doing. Well, I wonder if also maybe part of it is that if you create this image that is this lying kid, problematic kid, mm -hmm. it it might be your own way of sort of throwing people off the, I mean, I don't know. It's so complicated and I know exactly what you mean by this. And I felt like, especially while the molestation was going on, I mean, I was lashing out at my friends like I was taking things out on people that did nothing wrong and yeah. just, it wasn't who I was. And yet I created this image 
that maybe was just me reacting to the fact that I had been getting molested. Like Mm -hmm. just this whole other persona that is not who we really are. And like, I think it's deflection. I think it's a way of like not dealing with why you're actually hurting because I mean, that's why we do it all. We are hurting. We don't, um, you don't want to just lie for no reason. You lie because you don't want to deal with whatever or whatever the rationale is. There's always pain involved somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, bro, everything came to like, everything came to a hard stop because there was a, there was something that happened at the end of my ninth grade year that we, I, I had got a good idea. And at the time, for some reason, I thought it was a good idea that I should try smoking weed for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like no harm. Like it's an innocent thing. I'm yeah. in ninth grade. Everybody does this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to go get it, apparently there were only um, edibles that were available. I did not know the difference between yeah. smoking yeah. and eating Sketchy. and had no concept of like there being any difference at all. Yeah. And I had also at that point and way before this, I was like viciously underage when I was doing this, but I had gotten really in, <laughs> viciously like, underage. <laughs> oh no, it was bad. I mean, cause this, this particular part had been going on since I think middle school. Um, but it like, it was really bad ninth grade where I just started talking to a lot of people online, like anybody that mm-hmm. I could, like, it was just a constant thing that I mean, I probably, I probably have so many nudes out there on the internet. I don't even <laughs> want to think about, I don't even want to think about it. Like from yeah. that time, from those couple of years where I was like, Oh God, it was, I was so hypersexual and not in the sense that I was like always with people because for a long time, I actually never hooked up with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just didn't really have that desire. I was just curious about, um, I was curious about it, but I didn't really want to do it. Yeah. So online was like a better way for me to do that and to have those experiences and to like get my curiosity out and get my questions answered and right. um, kind of live out some experiences without actually having to do anything. So is this like Omegle or like uh, oh this is like oh no this is like fucking sex chats all like this is like the crazy (laughs) yeah this is this is more than Omegle I got um I think maybe Omegle was something that introduced me to the concept of like oh you need to go on and talk to anybody and then I I took that because I remember going I never had I could never get on stuff like that at my house so I remember going to a friend's house who had it and then I was like oh this is kind of cool like there's so much you can do on here and then I went home. And made my whole own world <laughs> around like <laughs> that concept. But yeah. yeah, I did that very frequently. And so there was actually someone that I had spoken to and actually like got along with really well. And it was just some guy I'd met on one of those. Um, I didn't really know much about him, but we would talk on the phone for like really long at night. Mm-hmm. And I did not know that this is something that the people like whoever is paying for the phone plan can like kind of see that. Like if there's if there's long distance phone calls being made. And I think this guy like lived in Texas or something yeah. and they're like hours at night, like it shows up and it like also like notifies them that that's happening. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happened to be on the same day that my parents got that notification was also the same day that I had planned to take these edibles. And Oh shit. So I got home and I had them in my pocket. I hadn't taken them yet but I had them in my pocket. And you know, when you get home and your parents are like waiting for you, yeah, like you dude. can tell yeah. I was very accustomed to that feeling because it happened all the time, but I knew this one. I'm like, this one seems big. This seems like worse than normal. And um, I'm starting to, I'm thinking about all this shit they could be figuring out. Cause there was a lot of shit at the time. Like there was so much, there was so yeah. much that I was doing 
that could have been um, just brought up. And so, so you're trying to remember like what you lied about. Yeah, I, I, I fucking that's feel that's the that. worst. You get so <laughs> yeah. caught up because you can't even keep up with it because it's a lie. It's not yeah. it's something you think of on the spot and then it's gone. So Dude, you don't 100%. even know half the shit you even said. It was one of those situations. Um, but yeah, I got there and they're like, so we see you've been making these really long calls. Like, what are you doing? Like, who's this to? And there was something, there was a part of me that I, I don't know why I didn't try to come up with anything. Normally I would have, I would have come up with a lie that they would have probably not believed, but in my mind, I would have thought I fooled them. Yeah. Um, classic. Yeah. It's just, but I didn't, I didn't fight it. I was like, yeah, I've been talking to people on the internet. This is someone I actually got along with. And so we talk. And I knew my parents like weren't cool with that. So they ended up taking my phone, which is like the worst thing they could have done at that point because I had all the evidence of everything on there. I wasn't even worried (laughs) about like not being able to talk to people. It was that I had so much incriminating like shit on my phone. I I can't even, I don't even want to think about the pictures that my parents saw of me. Um, God, (laughs) it's brutal. It's so bad. So my bright idea was to go, take the drugs by myself i was supposed to do it with friends i wasn't supposed to do it that day but i'm like i can't be home when they like get into my phone like there's no i cannot be here i can't handle that like yeah i can't be seeing all that shit with me in front of them so i left <laughs> and i took so i mean what edibles like as big as my hand i probably oh my took God. over like a third of it and Jesus. I had no idea you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody dude. told me, like, no one told me you're not supposed to do it that way. And right. I walked around and I started seeing all this weird stuff that it took me years to realize, like, it didn't, it wasn't real. It was hallucinations. Mm-hmm. I never actually saw half the shit <laughs> I saw. But um, I come home and I'm like, just so on drugs like i look horrible i'm sure i looked horrible and i'm like shaking like i literally can't even i can't like control my body and my arms or my legs yeah yeah and so i end up having this like and it was definitely laced because the stuff that was happening to me was like not normal and not what's supposed to happen let alone i did take a lot um well, yeah, I mean, with so, edibles, it's it's the way that it's absorbed into your bloodstream. It's like a completely different uh, experience not, from yeah, smoking weed. It's not it's, like normal weed. Yeah, I think it, I think I heard uh, Joe Rogan talk about how like edible, <laughs> edibles can end up. It. Yeah, yeah. And how like edibles can end up being like hallucin hallucinogenic and like yeah. Well, that's what happened to me. I was like seeing shit and like right. my my stuff was getting mixed. Like you you see sound and like hear visuals and stuff Synesthesia? like it's really weird so all that was yeah. happening in front of my parents by the way like oh, i'm on God. my couch rolling around like in a full-on like i don't even know what i was doing i don't want to know but <laughs> it's my parents are right there like looking at me like trying to figure out whether they should call they should like send me to the hospital or just let it like take its course and at this point had do you think had they gone through your phone yeah well no 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 they hadn't gone through my phone at this point so they just were seeing this and then i think they were terrified to go through my phone after that sure. but they did and mm-hmm. yeah, I took my phone away for a while. So that sucked. But the one good thing about that experience was that it really gave me the ability to like, I mean, no one knew how bad I was like until the one thing that happened in seventh grade where they like found the knife. I still don't think they, I still don't think it really hit like the gravity of it all. And yeah. so after this, they were just like, all right, we got to listen to the kid. Like if he wants to do something, we need, we should probably cater to it. And my request was that I switched schools. I was tired of that school already. 
wanted to go to another one. I needed like another start for the second time. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to stop going to church. That was like my big thing at the time where I'm like, you make me go whether I want to, or I don't, I don't want to go. Don't make me go. Yeah. They really listened to me and uh, I got both of those things. I didn't have to go to church anymore. Um, I went to a new school and I did really well at the new school for a while. I had actually, um, well, before that though, I had, I developed ulcers that summer from ninth grade going into 10th because of that experience. And then just having so much, um, having so much unnecessary stress constantly, like for everything I was, I had so much anxiety, so much stress, so much, um, so much pressure from seemingly every angle my body couldn't handle it anymore and it started to just kind of eat itself which is ulcers can happen through stress and that that was what was happening with me yeah um that that summer sucked i mean so i did actually have some physical reactions to i don't know if it was directly linked to what happened to me as a kid but i think that um I think a lot of the other emotions, a lot of the other negative emotions may not have existed to the degree that they did had that not happened. Cause I never learned to deal with anything. I never learned to sit with my own thoughts. Everything I did was to run away from that. I never wanted to ever experience that again. And yeah. sitting, thinking about it, make you have to experience it again when you actually for the first time sit and think. <clears throat> so it, yeah, the way that I lived was just a complete deflection and rejection of it. And so I was constantly running. I was constantly like on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I did, I did do really well in the new school. And I actually had like told myself too, um, one of the things that I had kind of developed this interest in guys in a way. And it was weird though, because it was a sexual interest, but it was really specific. Like it was really like, there were all these things I didn't want to do. I actually didn't want to do most things, but there were like a few really specific things I wanted to do. And I never really understood it, but I also never let myself like live with it. I never like acted on it. It was always just somewhere in my head. Yeah. And so I uh, basically, when I got into this new school, had made the decision, like anything you're curious about, anything you want to do, you're going to do now. Like you, you have to the end of high school to get it out of your system. If you're not hurting yourself and you're not hurting anybody else, just go for it. If you're curious about it, just do it. Um, and I did exactly that. But it's funny because I like I, looking back at it, I didn't know this at the time. And I didn't know this until I, until I was 18 and could start to remember things, which that's a crazy, that was crazy in itself. Um, yeah. But everything that I was curious about doing was exactly what happened to me. And I didn't want to do anything more. That was it. Like it was a weird way of me almost trying to gain mastery over, over what happened and trying to understand it and trying to like, I do also remember putting myself in the same position I was in often or like kind of like um, creating it again and trying to make it better. Like maybe if I do it this way or maybe if I do it with this person or maybe if I I have a little bit more control in this scenario, I can actually make this memory not hurt so bad or I can actually like not feel so much fear when it comes to it. And of course it never worked ever. It was never (laughs) satisfying for me. I never got off to it. I never could like like finish like hooking up with these guys like i could never do anything like that um like i never wanted to have sex but i was like cool with like head and stuff Mm -hmm. because that's what happened to me right and that's what i was that's it's not what i was used to but it's kind of what i learned as standard like in a really weird fucked up way like i i thought that oh yeah like if you really care about like your guy friends like 
you can you'll suck their dick <laughs> it's so weird like that that was what and, and in my mind like it's not because i wanted to date them it's not because i was like romantically yeah um into them it's just this weird just little friend. part of me yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah like that was the rationale is it oh yeah no we're just close no it doesn't work like that like you don't have to do that um yeah oh i should mention too mm-hmm. that actually didn't start until so I had a, I had a, um, an incident that happened when I moved to the new school. I'd never hooked up with anyone. I mean, I'd like kiss people in games and stuff and yeah. bears, but I'd never actually like been with anyone. And uh, I was hanging out with this one guy who I was totally just friends with. There was nothing at this point. Like there, I had never, I'd never, it had always just been in my head. Like maybe like a distant thought. Oh yeah. Maybe one day I'd hook up with a guy, but I was hanging out with this, with this one guy and we were watching uh we were watching TV like late at night and he just point blank asked me, he's like, Hey, you want to see my dick? And I totally thought he was joking. Like, it's just like fucking, no, I don't want to see that. Yeah. But, um, I looked over and he was like undoing his belt. And so I was like, no, 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 really. Like, I, I don't want to see that. Like, don't show me that. And then he kind of like stopped, but he wouldn't, he was just weird for the rest of the night. And so I like called my dad and I was like, come get me, please. Like, I want to go home now. Uh-huh. And I didn't go back to that guy's house for a long time. And, and you then, are what age at this point? I'm, so I'm in 10th grade. So gotcha. I don't know, like, like 16, 16 probably. And then one day came and I was so bored. It was like months later, we were on some sort of weird long holiday and I was in private school my whole life. So I wasn't used to like the public school days off. Like that was, that was like so exciting for me. Like we got so many days off of like Jewish holidays and stuff. Like we didn't get any of that. So, um, yeah, but we had this long like holiday and I was so bored and he only lived, that guy only lived like down the street. So I ended up hitting him up and we hung out. And as soon as I got to his house, he's like, Hey, you want to go on a hike? It's like behind my house. And I wasn't really thinking anything of it. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds cool. And actually it was a really cool hike. So we did go on a hike and we get to the end of it. And I really didn't want to be there at night. Like I really didn't want to be at his house at night. Cause last time I was there, it got kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just remember not wanting to be there and not really feeling safe, but I just kind of put it to the back of my head. And then he was like, Hey, my friend lives like down the street. Why don't we just go over there? Cause it's kind of a long walk back to my house. And I knew his friend, like I knew who he was talking about. So I didn't think, I don't think I'd met him, but I knew of him like through mutuals. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's cool. So we walked there. The friend wasn't there. And at this point it's like dark and I'm like alone with him, like out around. I don't even know where I am. Like I've never been to like the particular part of the neighborhood that we were in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we kind of walk and he ends up kind of like guiding me to this weird open area where it's like, there's a, a, a main road, like right next to us, but there's just no cars. And we end up finding, actually, this is kind of funny. Um, we end up finding this like church. It was a, I think it was a Catholic school and there was this big Virgin Mary statue <laughs> and he's like, here, come over here. And I'm just kind of like following along. Cause I don't even know where I am. Like, I don't know how to get home from there. Yeah. Um, and he's like, have you ever thought about hooking up with a guy? And I already could feel my body. I couldn't, I didn't know. This is the first time I'd really experienced this before. Um, But I could already feel my body like locking up. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like, I'm not, I'm not acting like myself. I'm not like being myself. And he, I don't, before I even had an answer, like before I'd even said anything, he's like rushing at me and his hands like on me. And um, it was just crazy. And so he 
asked me for a hand job, which I gave him. And I don't think I said anything the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. I think I was just quiet. And I remember afterwards wondering why I was like that. Like why I said nothing. I was super uncomfortable. Like I really didn't want to do that. Yeah. But the concept of saying no and the concept of like, if you don't comply, like you could actually die. Like that was so ingrained in my head Oh, dude! that 100%. I had no idea. Like if you're uncomfortable, like you tell them, if you're uncomfortable, you stop, you do anything you can to get out of that situation. That wasn't, wasn't what I was, it might've been what I was taught, but it wasn't what I was shown. So right. yeah, I said nothing and I went along with did that. And then um, after that, it like opened up the floodgates of like all of my, I think, I think after that, having all of my sexual experiences had just always been kind of abusive. And like, I kind of got raped again that time. Yeah. Like I didn't know it at the time. I had no idea. And looking back at it, he planned the whole thing. He knew his friend wasn't home. He knew exactly where we were going. We went on that hike and where we'd end up. And that would probably be dark around this time. Like he knew exactly what he was doing, but yeah, I mean, I just had lots of situations like that, that had built up to me kind of ending up in this weird lifestyle of like hooking up with guys, but not being into it. I mean, it never once in my life did I ever like finish with a guy. Like I never did. It was just something that I did because I thought I wanted it. Like it was in my head. I was curious about a few things, Yeah. but yeah, it was just, and it took, I did that for years. Like I did that for literally years. And then there were some people that it would be more than once and they'd be like, and they'd want to do more. And I never wanted to do that. And they'd be like, well, what are you doing? Like, why are you even like, why are you here? Why are you <laughs> doing on, this bro. to people? Like, yeah, yeah, you're not even fucking gay. Like what's wrong with you? Yeah. And I couldn't, I had no answers. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know where any of that came from. It was just a part of me trying to, I felt like I could, I, it was sun, it was insatiable in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how bad it was though, until I went and I talked to a friend and I had hooked up with some person I found online. Like, I mean, I think the same day we like matched on Tinder or something. I was like already with him like a couple of hours later, which is also something I did. There was, there was an element of danger to it that I almost wanted. Like I I needed it to be, yeah, I needed it to be scary. Um, Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have fear involved. Not, not like, I didn't want to induce fear on anybody. I never wanted to like hurt anyone, right. but I needed it. I needed me to be a little bit scared, which mm-hmm. I never really understood while I was doing it. I just realized, I just knew it was like a part of it. And um, yes. Yeah, so I had hooked up with somebody and my friend was asking me questions about it. And she's like, Oh, what's his name? And I was like, mm. I had to like, think about it. Like I couldn't remember. And she was like, well, what did he look like? Like how tall was he? Like, what is, was his eye color? gone like I had no memory of it and I had no and that was normal for me I would often hook up with people and not and this didn't happen with women but it happened when I'd hook up with with guys I would literally not remember anything like it was as if it I knew it happened but I couldn't remember what they looked like I couldn't remember where we went sometimes Mm -hmm. and yeah it was so weird and so that that's when I started to realize like there's some major red flags in like what I'm doing, but I had given myself basically the timeline of the end of high school to say that you're going to do what you want to do. Just make sure it's safe. Make sure you're it never was safe, but I mean, <laughs> make sure that like, you're just not hurting yourself or you're not hurting anybody else. Um, and then 
yeah. So I just did it for, I just pushed all the red flags out and I just kept living and I just wanted to keep experiencing. And I just wanted to make, I needed to know, like I couldn't take anybody's word for anything. I had to always try it myself, mm-hmm. which it probably gave me so much stress that I did not need to experience if I would have just listened to people, but I couldn't, it was like something in me, like wouldn't let me do it. Yeah. So yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, and then again, just like the red flags growing and growing and growing and me realize. And once I told her and I realized, Oh yeah, like I, that's kind of often, like I don't remember people's features. I don't remember very specific things or like where we went or weird details like that. I started to just pay attention to it and realize like, oh shit, this is happening with everybody. There's a reason, but I didn't know the reason. I just yeah. knew that I was having some sort of a weird problem with it. And no one, literally no one could explain it. And I, I actually to a point where I just stopped talking about it because people are like, so what are you gay? Or are you like, what, like, why are you even telling me this? Why are you hooking up with people? But there's all these other, this whole list of things you don't want to do. You're not into guys. Like you don't want to date them. Like what, I had nothing. I had no way to, and I didn't know. I didn't know either. Yeah. I was just like, well, yeah. I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about for a long time. So why not do it? So yeah, I just, I stayed really quiet for a long time until I told my friend that looked at, like, I don't remember a lot of this stuff. I don't know if that's normal. And she's like, yeah, that's not fucking normal. Like for anybody, <laughs> it's not normal. It's not healthy. And yeah. So I started to make some changes then. And I actually didn't realize it, but I was very addicted to it. I was addicted to being scared. I was addicted to being in another person's, um, at another person's dis- dispense really. Yeah, it was being in their control. And I am not a submissive person at all. But in these scenarios, it was as if something like possessed me where I was no longer myself. And I wasn't nothing of it made it was not me like it didn't fit any part of me any part of my personality. But that was the disassociation you think? Yeah, it was. But that's also what I learned later that I was actually really addicted to. Mm -hmm. Because I had tried, um, and I never was like crazy into drugs or anything, but I had like dabbled a little bit and I, and I could never, it just wasn't satisfying to me. And I, I liked drinking, but I liked drinking to hook up with people. Like I yeah. to hook up with guys. It made it easier. I didn't have to be, it was easier for me to slip into that dissociative state. And it was easier for me, um, to kind of not remember things and to just kind of like be numb through the process. But the reason I got addicted to it is because Nothing in my life had I ever experienced that was as intense and as crazy and as um, uh, the numbness that came from like a real dissociation, like really not being there, having to leave your body to where your brain is like not no longer present. You can't remember something two seconds before after it happened. And uh-huh. like that for me was how I, I dealt with stress. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know I was doing that, but I was using it as a tool to make things easier. And yeah, it was really bad. And I just, one time I had, I had met up with somebody, didn't check their age, saw like one picture and that was like good enough for me. And it was on a day I was, it was so bad. It was, it was on, it was on a day that I, I remember I was really stressed out that day. I don't remember why, but I just remember that I was, which is probably why I was even more so just like in a daze as I got there. And I, fucking met up with this guy and thank god we were in public um but the guy's like 40 
and I'm like, I don't know, 17. Yeah, yeah. At the time. And I, he like ends up telling me all this crazy stuff where he's like, yeah, like first time I lost my virginity, I like had sex with this girl. She was asleep, but like, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, why are you telling me this? How crazy do you, are you to where on our first like meeting first of each other? date talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was really weird. And in my mind, they were never dates. Like I was just doing it purely for right. the intent of hooking up right. with people, but not everybody felt that way. And I don't know what this guy's problem was, but he was insane. And, but it, I was so scared of him. Like I was so, and the way he was looking at me, it was like, he was just looking through. I mean, he might've actually, if I ever met a psychopath, it was this guy. I couldn't, uh, it just kind of woke me up. It like took me out of that, like weird hate phase that I would get into. And that, um, it made me like awake. So when I was with him, I was like, okay, I need to be hyper aware and pay attention to everything that's going on. Cause like, I need to get out of this situation. Like I need to get in my car and go home. Like I cannot be with this person. And after that, and then after just, just picking up on constant red flags all the time that were like, it's not little red flags, like big shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I knew there was a problem, but I still couldn't, I couldn't name it. And then I graduated high school and it was like the moment I moved the tassel from one side of my hat to the other, I felt something. I didn't know what it was. I couldn't describe it. I didn't know what it meant, but it was just this weird fear, like in the back of my head. And I think I just kind of put it to the side where I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm just nervous because it, it's the next stage of my life. Like I'm out of high school now. Um, it's fine. It's normal, mm-hmm. but it didn't go away. And then it was, it was a couple of months after that, a couple of months into that summer, I had my first flashback, like a real one. Never fucking forget that shit. I don't think anybody forgets their first flashback, but <laughs> yeah, it was. Thank so. There's six people in my family, including me. So it's a very rare moment that I'm like home alone. Thank fucking god, I was home alone this day. Like I would have been so mortified if I had gone through this in front of another person. I had headphones on, and I just like this one song came on. I actually remember. I remember this so clearly, and all of a sudden. Out of nowhere, I just got this really vivid image of somebody giving me a blowjob as I was a kid, like a really, really young kid. And I had, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, was that a memory? Was that like a dream I had? Why? But I, I was so um, like my, my body like lost it. Like I was crying. It was like, it was as if it had just happened. Like it felt like it was happening in that moment. Yeah. Um, and it was really, really scary. Like all the fear that I was feeling in that moment came back. And even though nothing was happening, I was sitting on in my chair, like in the room I'm always sitting in, it just, this thing hit me and it was so scary. And my reaction to it scared me so much. I ended up going to my parents and I was like, look, don't ask me questions, but I need to go back to therapy. Cause I had stopped going to therapy for, I think three or four years um, at that point. And I, they were like, do we, okay, we're not going to ask questions, but just like, keep us updated. Let us know like what's going on. And so I went back and I told my therapist and it was the same therapist I had um, from all the years before. Uh-huh. And I told him and he's like, I knew something happened. He, I, he didn't say this to me directly. I think it's something he said later, but he knew at that moment, like this is, you always had something. There was always something that I just didn't know that we couldn't uncover. And I was never able to get there with you, but it makes so much sense that you'd be remembering something like this because you have every, apparently I showed every sign of like someone who'd experienced <laughs> something like that. Like I was textbook. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it. And he never told me that until 
we reached the point where it came back to me kind of on its own. Yeah. So I, I went through the process of dealing with it, with him. It took me, it took me about a full year to remember everything that happened. I couldn't, uh, the hardest thing for me to remember was the part where he made me give him a blowjob. Mm-hmm. Cause that was, I think that was the scariest moment for me. And then that, after that, the fear just kind of didn't exist so much because I was so far gone. Like I was so deep in the disso- dissociation of it all and not really being there that the re- what came after was a little bit easier for me to remember. Um, but yeah, it took me a really long time but I've had, I've had so much help. It's been, I think it's been two years now that I've been seeing him. I still see him. I see him like once a week now. So to this day, I need it. I mean, I had a lot of stuff to figure out and it's also new to me. There was something so liberating and, and finally having a reason, finally having a place, finally having like a thing to say, this is why I was so fucked up. This is why I had, um, all these problems, why I was such a problem kid, why I was so unhappy, why I had all these, and I can't blame everything on it, but there was, there was just this thing that always hung over my head that I could never explain. And nobody who knew me could explain. And finally I had it. And so even though it was really scary and actually me hooking up with people got worse, me hooking up with guys, I'll, I'll say, um, cause I was hooking up with girls in between all that too, but it, I didn't have this really, really unhealthy reasoning behind it. For me, it was just like, oh, it's just normal hookup. But mm-hmm. with the guys, it, it was bad. And when I first started going back to therapy and when we first started to like open it back up again, and I, he started, we really like dove into it. My hooking up jumped a lot. Like, because I had, I felt like I was dealing with it again. I felt like I was experiencing it again every day. I mean, I have, I'd have flashbacks all the time after that, I cried every single day. And that's not like not, not, I mean, I'm much more emotional now as I'm a little bit older, but mm-hmm. at that time that was like not normal for me. I just didn't do that. Right. And I, what was happening was I was relieving. I was finally, I, I hate to say it this way, but feeling sorry for that kid who never got to feel sorry for what happened. I never, I never got that. I never got to like, mourn over the loss of innocence mourn over what actually happened to me and that that's a horrible thing to happen to anybody and if it were my friend who i had heard that happen to i would have been it would have been the same thing and i just didn't give myself that and so finally i was giving myself that and i was just an emotional wreck like i'd always like at least once a day in my car like driving home i'm like i don't know what's happening right now I just, I like it sucked it was the flashbacks were insane though i mean those were those were really, really, really intense. And it would happen a lot while I was driving, which would really like <laughs> be horrible because I could almost like die. But because mm-hmm. um, you can't control the car when it's happening. They were the weirdest thing because in one way they're liberating because you're like, okay, good. I'm letting out emotion that I've never let out before. Mm-hmm. But also they're really scary because you turn into this weird thing and and i would i remember feeling very small when i'd have them because i was having ptsd of being a four-year-old and being being small yeah of being small and somebody being so much bigger than me and so much more powerful Mm -hmm. than me so it was a really weird experience but through the whole thing um i i had to really 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 push there were so many moments where i was like this isn't worth the pressure and the pain that i'm experiencing to go through this again but i also then would look at my life 
and <laughs> was like, well, I can't stay here. I can't, yeah. I can't keep doing this because it's not working for me. And I've been so much better in the last like year. And it's so weird because it's almost been a year that we've been in this quarantine. And all of that, that entire flashback just came from a song. Yep. Yeah, it was really weird. It actually, I don't know if the song induced it. Um, I think it was a combination of me hitting a time of my life where I had kind of known that whatever it was that I had to deal with, I was going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And also a, maybe maybe me knowing that I was home alone and was able to like think a little bit deeper, that might have had something to do with it too. But yeah, the, I do remember this song this song had a big part, a big thing to do with it because when I would have moments where I just wasn't going there, I wasn't allowing myself to think like I'd have I, in therapy, I, we'd have to, I have to speak in, in as much detail as I could about certain things. And sometimes I just couldn't reach it. I couldn't like access it. And I would get in my car and I would turn on certain music and it would help me do it. And a lot of the time at the beginning, it would induce those crazy PTSD flashbacks which is i think a lot of the time why that happened in the cars because i would be listening to my music in there but it was a really big help in um getting me into the mindset to face something like that mm-hmm. it's weird you that you caught that because it actually was a really big part that i i had forgotten about the same thing happened to me man oh really <laughs> wait can you can you talk about it because i'm curious yeah, i've never heard this being a, of being course a, man yeah, so I was at a high school party. So I told my parents uh, at the end of sixth sixth grade. So yeah, I would have been, I guess, 10. Um, and then I switched schools as well, went to a private school. But still in the same uh, town. We still, we didn't move. But where, where are you from, by the way? Seattle. Okay, all right, mm-hmm. nice. I went to therapy for a little bit, hated it. Uh, really didn't, because I didn't want to be talking about it at that point in my life. I was like, I just had to talk about this in front of 80 adults and the guy who molested me oh, in court. Like, fuck this. Like, I so don't want to talk about I it. I can't yeah. imagine, bro, what that was like. It was so bananas. Thank God I didn't have to do that. <laughs> I, I left out a huge part of that, but um, I want to hear what you're saying first. Oh, we, we can, no rush. We'll, we'll come right back to it. Um, but basically what happened was I hadn't really talked about it until... Um, Uh, I was in therapy and then I basically didn't talk about it until I was at this high school party and this song came on and I have no idea why it caused me to have this flashback, but I just like ran to the bathroom of the party and just broke down. And my girlfriend at the time, like came and found me and I was just like bawling and I had to explain it all to her, which also sucked. Um, even though she was like incredibly supportive about it, of course, but it's, it's just still not, not something, something that you, you want to do in that. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm trying to, especially in that scenario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, man, it's, it's really fascinating how our bodies can harbor these memories that will be triggered by all sorts of different things. And in our mm-hmm. case, it was music. I've never really heard of it being a thing. So it's interesting to hear you also say that, yeah, there was a certain song that just like brought it out of me out of, yeah. for whatever reason. I, I don't know why that song there. And then I was able to find other songs that would do the same thing. And they ended up helping me a lot um, in in kind of remembering things uh, because I had a really, really big issue with remembering because I could remember certain things for a while. And then um, I knew that I always knew when there was more to remember. 
And then now I'm like, yeah, I got the whole thing. I got the whole picture. Um, and I would get so frustrated like in therapy when I couldn't, when I didn't have all the details. Like I couldn't tell, I actually also couldn't remember for a really long time that it was my grandpa. I had no idea. I knew that, um, I knew that it was somebody I did. I didn't know. I would say weird things where I'd be like, yeah, well, he's bald, but, but then he has brown hair and I, and that didn't make any sense. Mm. And then I realized later, um, I, there's this really, well, now it's really disturbing picture of I, what I think might actually have been on that trip of my grandpa. I'm like dressed up like a clown for like Halloween or something. Uh-huh. And, um, I'm a bit like a child, so young. I mean, it was seeing myself like that is weird. And, um, and he's doing my makeup in the picture and it's this very creepy picture. Cause I could see how much bigger he is than me and how small I am and how yeah. there's nothing I could have ever done in that situation physically to get for it to end. And, uh, so my grandpa had cancer and that's what he ultimately ended up dying from. same yeah really (laughs) yeah it's like i feel like it's that whole generation what's happening dude crazy i hope bananas don't end up yeah weird um but yeah he so he died from cancer but before that um i had actually i'd already had these memories i had already had these flashbacks and i was in i was in therapy so i was going through the process of working through them and i didn't know who did it and my grandpa had had a couple, there had been a couple of scares where my mom would have to get on a plane and fly out there. And then he'd end up being kind of fine um, where they thought he was going to die, but he, he didn't. And so there was another one of those and I'm like, Oh, it's probably going to be fine. Um, <laughs> but my mom had to go anyways, just in case. And uh, so I get a call from her while she's on this trip, which she normally never did. She was always, she was just there with her family. Um, and she's like, Hey, this is the last time you're ever going to be able to speak to your grandpa. He can't respond to you, but he can probably, we think he can hear you. If there's anything that you want to say to him. Um, now is the time. And I remember this rage boiling up in me to the point where I had to put the phone down and put it on mute and just like breathe for a second and compose myself and then give the biggest bullshit line I've probably ever given. I don't remember what I said, but it was not genuine. And that was the moment. As soon as I hung up the phone, I remembered it was my grandpa that did it to me. And it made sense. Like all my little weird details of like, yeah, he's bald, but he has hair. He was balding. So he was bald from what I was seeing from like, well, his head is below mine while he's giving me a blowjob i'm remembering i can see the bald part of his head but he has brown hair on the side so everything just started to make sense like i'm remembering things as a four-year-old i'm remembering through the brain and the eyes of a four-year-old and so Mm -hmm. all these weird i didn't again like going back to like vocabulary you don't even have a full vocabulary at the time so i picked on to weird details but as soon as I remembered that everything made sense. And then I think it was just a couple of days after that, that my dad, cause they knew I couldn't remember who did it. I had told my parents at this point, and that was fucking horrible telling my parents, um, especially cause I didn't know who did it. And I didn't, I thought they were going to think I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. Cause the, the idea that you could have that something like that could happen to you and you can't remember it. Like you don't know who did it. You don't know where you were. You don't know what age you were like that. I didn't think that that could be real. Yeah. It's scary. It's really scary. Yeah. I didn't think there's any way that could be real, but it is. Um, 
and it happens to a lot of people but yeah so my dad just a couple of days he's like was it was it your grandpa and as soon as he said it i just broke down like completely because i Mm -hmm. i didn't want um the funeral was coming up and i i didn't want my mom to have to deal with him dying and her finding this out at the same time (laughs) yeah yeah and my dad a fucking trooper like i told him look Yes, it was him, but you can't tell mom. Like, we have to wait till after the funeral. She needs to mourn. She needs to have this time to have closure in whatever way she does because she's had to fucking live with him. And he was not a good person. I mean, he was super abusive to my grandma. Um, They split, luckily, early. So my mom didn't have to, like, see that from a a lot of her life, most of her life. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I needed to give her that. And so my dad had, I mean, I don't know how he got through it. He had to not say anything about it for months and months and months. And I mean, I, I, part of me feels bad about having put him through that, but also I knew I had to do it. I knew, I knew it had to come in the right timing. And then finally one day after the funeral had been, I don't know, maybe it probably been a few months after it all. Um, and I'm just holding off on like telling her, cause I just mm-hmm. don't, I know it's going to be bad. Um, she finally came to me and just asked, do you know who did it now? And she started naming off names and I was like, no, no. And then she got to my grandpa and I didn't deny it. And it was a very emotional moment for both of us mm-hmm. having to kind of having to even conceptualize that. Like, and then telling her because it's her dad, like yeah. she has, she's gone her whole life, not knowing this side of him. I mean, she knew he wasn't great, but not, we would have never imagined it could have been like that. So it was, it was crazy, but, um, it was you really are good. such a legend for, for being able to preserve your mom's experience and her last memories with her dad and to allow her to have that experience is like, that's pretty amazing, man. I mean, it's really awesome you. that you did that. And, um, it's funny too, because <laughs> it's just like when you were like, okay, your dad asked if it was your grandpa and you know, you, that's how he found out. And you were like, you can't tell mom, right? And the exact <laughs> yeah. same thing happened to me, but with my mom. And I was like, you can't tell dad because I thought that my dad would try to fight the guy and I thought my dad would lose. <laughs> oh my God. That was the reasoning. <laughs> yeah. Is that he, you're like, ah, oh, now he's never going to beat him. <laughs> wow. Which is so oh weird. My Cause God, my dad so is funny. like not the type of guy to fight at all. But I was like, I don't know how he's going to react to this information. Uh, <laughs> and that he would and, lose. That's yeah. the best part of it though. Yeah, dude. And that's just, that's just how I felt. But um, it is so wild uh, hearing your story and just like it, it, viscerally feeling what you're going through at that time also having you say things that are like exactly the experiences that i've i mean obviously they're very different but in in terms of telling people and and suppressing things i mean it's um it's just it's so awesome man i'm just like so proud of you (laughs) thank you i mean that's why i felt listening to your story i listened to the whole thing when you released it and as I'm sitting watching it, I'm just like, holy shit, like a lot of that shit happened to me too. Like, and even <laughs> yeah. though our, our actual experience of like the sexual abuse part is a little different, um, so much of the effects that it had on us in our lifetime are very similar. And I noticed it with a lot of people. I mean, it's all, all degrees of it, whether it's like a vicious rape, like it was in my case, or it's like, there's, I mean, some people are molested and it's never scary and it's never, um, 
it's never something they fear for their lives and they might actually even enjoy it. But even despite being on opposite ends of the spectrum, it affects us in very similar ways. And everyone who's on this, everyone who has uh, experienced something like that, I think has some sort of a, something that they can say, yeah, that's the same thing for me too. Or yeah, that happened to me too. I'm curious for you. I wanted to ask, do you feel like it affects your romantic relationships in any way or your friendships? Like maybe not now so much because you've done a lot of work on it, but did you ever experience that or did you ever feel like it directly um, affected it? Oh dude, absolutely. I mean, I thought, I thought for, from ages eight to 10 that I was gay. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of yeah. people do. Yeah. Because, well, because well, it's from, your experience. It's what yeah. you've been shown in, in life. Yeah, man. And it's like when you get thrown into these hypersexual experiences, even before puberty, I mean, really regardless of when you experience them, but like I hadn't had any sort of sexual contact. Neither of us had, obviously. And mm-hmm. like while it was going on, like oftentimes I would get boners. And that was at that time, like that was enough for me to conclude that I was into it. And it's like the physical feelings of because I, I mean my molestation wasn't really vicious. You know, it wasn't it wasn't um it didn't hurt at all. It was just like I he would just grab my dick and that was it. That was really the extent of it. It happened all a lot, but it was never um it was never painful. And so I yeah. think because of that, it was easier to associate my uh, enjoyment of it. And you know, I I, I don't I, to this day. I'm, I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, who who really knows? But mm-hmm. I think it was just the physical feeling of having somebody touch your penis feels good. And at yeah, that age, for anybody, right? And so it doesn't matter who's age. doing it. Really. Exactly. So, and that was just enough in my eight to 10 year old brain. I was like, well, this is, I'm gay now. This is just what I thought. And so it's, it's just fascinating to, to have that experience and to just not even like, I had no, I had nothing to compare it to. Like yeah. I had no, and I, dude, I remember, <laughs> I remember the first time I got a hand job. It was like maybe f- four years later. It was my freshman year of high school. And dude, I came in maybe eight seconds. It was oh the God. absolute best feeling, dude. <gasps> oh, I was like, this so is funny. consensual. I get to enjoy this. Like, and, like this, I get to do this now. Like, yeah, that's, dude, that's it sick. Was yeah. Fucking awesome, dude. And then, like, I just, uh, I, I, kind of around the time that that, I mean, Cause I was always into girls. I, it was never, I was never like, even when I was getting molested, I wasn't like into boys, but Mm -hmm. it it didn't, that didn't even register in my head. Really. It was just, I, this, this guy touching my dick is giving me a boner and that's enough to conclude that I'm gay. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't, you don't have the life experience at that point to know the difference and no one's telling you the difference. And, and actually even worse than that, you're being, taught that it's all the same thing it's all fun and games it's all friend it's all friendship and bonding or whatever the fuck exactly trying to teach you yeah when so they present you, you it in a game the game yeah. format is just like it's the worst like i remember your wiggle in the wiggle, the wiggle game, game story yes. which is like that's so yes. sick because it's um it, it, that's what successful child molesters do is they yeah. make it this form of fun and they make it this form of like normal that that oftentimes really affects people in their life because they kind of grow up to think that certain things are normal. They kind of grow up to think that 
um, like, yeah, this is just something you do with people you're close with. I mean, that's what happened with me, even though mine was more, um, I did not, I didn't have any enjoyment out of mine. So I learned that, yeah, sex isn't enjoyable. Sex is something you just kind of give to people. And Mm. it's weird even saying the word sex, because for me, I never actually was having sex. I was never having like anal sex with guys. It was just other stuff. It was hand jobs, blow jobs. Um, I think a couple of times I tried fingering and I was like, it's not for me, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, it was for me that there was no, there was never, I knew that like, yeah, people like sex, people enjoy it. And I thought I did too, because I thought about it and it's something that I like actively sought after, but there was no enjoyment for me. It was just, I learned to attach um, I learned to attach really bad feelings to it, but I thought that, that was normal because yeah, me, it was normal, dude, totally, yeah. It's just what we know. It's that's yeah. and that's all we can really go off of is, and especially at that young of an age, it's just like yeah, I guess this is how things are. Yeah. To go back go to your original question about how it's impacted my my relationship since then, um, it's hard to say, it's hard to look at a thing and be like, I'm like this because of getting molested. You know, it's hard so to, hard. yeah, it's hard to pinpoint specific things or way you, the way you are and where that comes from. But I think I was fortunate because I wasn't, I, it wasn't that, even though obviously it's not that it wasn't traumatic, it was very traumatic, but yeah, it wasn't the type was. of thing that, um, it just didn't seem to manifest itself in, in my relationships. You know, I had a long-term girlfriend for like seven years, basically from high school onward. Um, we're not together anymore, but um, we're still like cordial and totally cool and stuff. But I, I don't know. I just never, even in that whole relationship and now being single and, and we were on and off and I had bre- breaks in between where I was single, but I, I just didn't, I feel like I didn't do anything that was this is what I mean. It's like, I don't know. Cause I'm definitely sexual. I love sex. It's definitely one of my favorite things, but I don't know if the reason, the reason I like certain sexual things is because of that or not, or if it's just because of it's what I'm into, but getting molested in any capacity definitely has lasting impacts on yourself in many ways. I think for me, particularly with the back spasms, for example, yeah, um, that's a crazy you know, one affects everybody in different ways, but, um, yeah, who knows? But I wanted to ask you, um, what your relationship was like with your grandfather in between the actual abuse and when he died, did you see him a lot between then or, and if so, what was the, what were those experiences like? So I didn't see him a lot actually. Um, after that happened, he kind of removed us for, like we didn't see him. He wouldn't come to us. He lived in Minnesota and I live in California. So there was distance and I I never talked to him on the phone. Um, but my mom would always try to get him to come see us because he, she wanted him to be a part of our lives. Um, but he wouldn't do it for a long, long time. It took him a long time to finally come and see us again because I I don't know if it's because he didn't trust himself or because he couldn't bear what he did. Um, probably a little bit of both, but I didn't have to deal with seeing him, but I did see him. There were times, I mean, I think maybe four or five times that I saw him in between when it happened and then when he died. And it, I hated him. Like I had, I really hated him, but I didn't think much more than that. Like I kind of just left it as, yeah, I just don't like him. We don't get along. Like we're two different people. 
Um, it was, but it wasn't like you, you still hadn't remembered. No, nothing. Right. Right. Like I would have never in my, it never crossed my mind. Not even once, not even in like a little way. So yeah, I never saw him and realized like, yeah, this thing happened. I, but I had the emotions attached to him, just not, not the actual memories. I couldn't have handled it. I think him dying was a big part of me. I don't, I don't know if he, if he was still alive, I don't even know if I would still remember anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have gotten um, as far as I have in my therapeutic process of this whole thing. I think him dying was a big part of me. It allowed me to kind of go to have some closure and to like yeah. go on with my life. Absolutely. There's a huge release that comes from, and I felt the same way after I, after I told my, after my mom and I had find, after it was out in the open, I felt a big sense of security. And it's, I think it's just, it's a similar thing to when, when you know that they can't hurt you anymore, despite uh, everything that happened. I mean, it's, it's fortunate that you weren't having like regular interactions with him. I can imagine. Oh my God. Been. Yeah. I think it just would have made me crazier because when I did see him and when he did come to town and he would like stay with us, um, I was, I was always an angry, explosive kid. Mm -hmm. Um, Not so much outside of my house, but like in my house I was. And that would increase tenfold when he'd be there. And I never put two and two together. Nobody ever really knew. I, I think my parents just thought I did just didn't like him. Yeah. Um, And I thought that too. I didn't really know. I didn't realize there was a reason that I would get more like that when he was here. But yeah, I mean, I'm so glad I didn't have to actually, the the biggest reason I'm glad I didn't have to spend more time with him is because he could have done that again. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could have, it happened once. Um, I really hope he didn't ever do that to anybody else. And I ended up finding out in his life, I always had this weird thing in the back of my head that I knew, I knew that what he did to me, was nothing in comparison to what happened to him mm-hmm. because for someone to snap the way that he did and do what he did and then immediately have so much remorse after it, I knew something worse had happened. Even as a little kid, I knew something worse had happened. Um, and I just remember when he was giving me a blow job after the whole thing being so confused and like, I didn't want to look down cause I didn't want to see it. Yeah. I didn't want to see him doing that. I just remember like, I just remember thinking of like, how is this happening? How would, how do he even know how to do this stuff? How does like, where is this part of him coming from and not having any answers and not getting them for a really long time. Yeah. But my mom did a lot of research after he died and she like dug into his life and tried to figure out as much as she could, like through his relatives and through people that knew him. And the, I mean, that household that he grew up in was horrible. Mm-hmm. It was so bad. And so, abusive in every way you can imagine. Um, and I think it was a big part of why he was the way he was. There's no excuse, but (laughs) there are reasons that people become that way. Yeah, of course. And I think it's super mature to be able to look at the, at your abuser and it's not really empathizing, but understanding and knowing that it really had nothing to do with you. And I think that you can actually help yourself heal a lot by understanding that those that are abusers are the way that they are because of generally speaking shitty things that have happened to them i think that it can be very helpful to just sort of recognize that it just really had nothing to do with us you know yeah it really didn't we were just a means of a means to um, an end exactly exactly. 
Yeah. And it didn't have to do with us at all. It wasn't our fault. It wasn't because we did something wrong. It's, and for me, I felt like, well, I made him angry. Like if I make somebody angry, if I tell somebody no, or if I try not to do that, like this is the result, which is why with that guy later in high school, when he came at me, I didn't react. I didn't, the last thing I was going to do was say no, because that was, that didn't work for me in the past to a very extreme degree. (laughs) And I couldn't, I didn't want to put myself in that situation again. And then it kind of just became this way of coping of it was just, yeah, crazy, but it is weird. It's crazy. It's, it's such a weird thing of, um, it's new for me generally to live with the knowledge of what happened to me. And I see Mm. so many things in my life where I'm like, yeah, well that developed because of this and so many other things where I'm just like, Oh yeah, I no longer need to have that anymore. Like, I don't, I don't hook up with guys the way I did before. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't hooked up with a guy in forever. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if someone's genuinely curious, go try it. Like, I don't know that if had I not been raped that I would have never gotten with a guy. I have no yeah. idea, but yeah. I know now that um, the reasoning that I would get with them is not something healthy. It's not something that's going to help me. It's not something that is going to make this any better. And it's just not the way to go about it. And so aside from that, I just don't really have the desire. And now that I have the answers and now that I've like figured that all out, I just don't have that thing in me that wants to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with it at all. I think more people should try it. What <laughs> You <laughs> yeah, might yeah. learn something about yourself. Yeah. Um, and I definitely don't regret having done all of that because I would have never known had I not done it. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have come to a lot of the conclusions that I have now. And it's funny, even like before I got on here, I was just thinking about what I was going to talk about and what was important to the story. And there's so much shit that's happened in all those years that I, you can't talk about it all. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of wishing that I had some sort of a way to like wrap it up. Like I had some like pretty <laughs> way to say like, and now I'm here. Now I'm like married. Now I have a girlfriend that I'm like planning on proposing to or like I, I wanted some sort of a like a conclusion to this but there isn't one and I can't lie about it and I can't pretend like there is and I also I just think it's important to probably mention that because I think a lot of people feel that they want um, they don't want to talk about it until they don't want to talk about it until they're like mm-hmm. yeah I've gotten I, I get this much better or I reach this milestone in my life and then this goes away and I can talk about it freely like it doesn't work like that. It's something that um, it may not bother you the way that it did later in life. And you'll, you'll get a lot healthier as I think you and I both have from Mm -hmm. our experiences, but it doesn't mean that it all of a sudden goes away and then everything is gone. And I know a big thing for me is just like somebody that, I mean, I was totally a sex addict, even though it was a weird version of it. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. like actually having sex. I was just other weird sexual things and in saying that i think people have this like thing in the back of their head that's like oh yeah you just had a lot of sex you just fucked a lot of people first off i didn't i actually did not hook up with (laughs) a massive amount of people and second like someone who really has has a sex problem is not happy it's not Mm -hmm. fun it's not this like quagmire version of of like a lifestyle it's i was doing things that i did not want to do i did not i wasn't comfortable i wasn't doing it because i wanted it but i was doing it because i didn't really have another way of um i didn't have another way to feel like i had some sort of control yeah. and it's all i kind of knew and i didn't know how to stop it for for a while totally. especially when i had first gone back to therapy like when i started to remember stuff and it just kind of blew up for me 
um, I was constantly just trying to like, let me do it this way and make it better. Let me try it with this person and make it better. Maybe because this person is actually kind of cool. Like it won't be such a bad experience and yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't work. You can't fix it like that. No. Yeah. It's all internal. It's the, the, and, and I'm so glad that you mentioned um, the closure aspect, like wanting to kind of wrap things up because I feel the same way sometimes when podcasts end. Um, but the reality is, it's a healing process and it shouldn't be discouraging to, to know that you're not, you're, you're not done yet. I'm not done yet, but we can mm -hmm. make immense amounts of progress by just talking about it and, and knowing that you're safe and that you're okay and that you can speak without any fear of, of it happening again. While there might not be a definitive conclusion in terms of a timeline, the way that you've spoken about this story is a conclusion in and of itself. The way you describe yourself and how you were, how you used to be and everything that you've gone through to be able to come on here and talk as openly and candidly and eloquently as you have. It's really honestly just incredible, man. And I don't think I can really do it justice how inspiring it is to hear your story. And I know that I fucking I'm benefiting immensely from hearing it myself. I, I know that the people listening and watching will feel the same way, but that's, that's the, that's the conclusion, man. And it's, and it keeps going, you know, obviously you'll continue to grow and develop and heal, but um, I really couldn't be happier for you. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's no conclusion. It's just, uh, it's just, we just keep going. Maybe we'll talk again someday. I would love to. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you just said it the best you can. And you definitely just said the best thing you could have said to me that the way that I'm able to speak about it now is the best conclusion. I mean, it's always going to change and it's ever changing. Um, but the fact that I am now here as opposed to everything that I just talked about, which is yeah. like not even all of it, but just a, a kind of rough idea of the whole thing. Um, that should be what I hold on to the most. I mean, that yeah. that's the most exciting thing. And I never really thought of it that way, but I feel 10,000 times better about myself now having, <laughs> I'm going to change my mind to think that way. Cause that is the way that I should think. And that is reality is that look like you've come a long way and you have to be proud and happy of the progress that you made. Otherwise, what is this all for? Dude. Well said. And like, you know, you're 22. You're talking like a I know, I'm like, veteran. <laughs> like, baby, I look at my, I'm like, 22 is nothing. I turned 22 in October. I'm like barely 20. So I'm like, Bro, this is, I have talk like you've been like, healing for, for fucking years and years and years, man. Like, I guess I've been healing through experience. I don't regret yeah. any of it. I don't want to relive a lot of it, but I do think that sometimes if you're, if anyone out there has a personality like my own, where they just feel like they just have to try shit, just fucking do it. I mean, make sure you're safe, do it the best way you can, but just do it. I mean, for me, I'm like, I either would have had that experience now in high school and I don't have anything to hold me back or I would have done that shit later in life when I was like married with kids. I knew it was going to be one of the two and I could just do it now. Um, and I'm glad that I did. I don't think I would be here had I not, but yeah, sometimes you also just don't have to learn the hard way. So it's a balance. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. So I wanted to ask you one more thing. If you could give advice to people that have been through something similar, what would you say to people from the perspective that you have now 
of somebody who's fully open about everything that's happened to them. What would you say to, to somebody like that? Hmm. I think it's incredibly important to sit with yourself and have a real heart to heart conversation with yourself, whether that means that you honestly just need to cry about it and you need to allow yourself to feel sorry in the way that you would feel sorry for if it was your younger sibling or if it was a friend of yours, or if you found out something like that happened to a parent that you adore or somebody in your family, you need to have that same remorse for yourself. Don't sit with it. Um, you don't want to sit there and, and be stuck there. But I, I do think that um, it's okay to acknowledge that something really horrible happened and it doesn't make you a victim. Um, it doesn't make you this person that isn't strong or somebody that's just weak and can't handle things. Um, allow yourself to really be aware of what happened um, and do it in a place where you're comfortable and do it in a place where you're probably not driving <laughs> like I often was. <laughs> yeah. And just whatever happens, just be compassionate towards yourself. And then if you're someone that's not in that place where you've, you don't need that anymore, or you don't, you've already done that. And now it's time for you to pick up and continue on moving with your life. Do that because the only person that's not benefiting from you doing something like that is yourself. And I think oftentimes we can be the person that holds us back the most in life, because even though something like that happened and it's a moment, it feels like it takes so much of you. And a lot of the time it does, but at some point you can make the decision that it is no longer going to take anything else from you. And that might mean different things to different people in different stages, depending on what happened in so many, so many life elements, but whatever stage you're at, it's ultimately up to you to make the decision whether or not you're going to get better, whether or not you're going to give it up. Um, and giving it up doesn't mean you forget it. Giving it up doesn't always mean that you just forgive and let go. And it doesn't mean anything to you anymore. Sometimes it just means that you're going to take control of your own life. And I just encourage anybody who feels that they're at that point to do it. And if you don't know how there are people out there to get help with, you should go see a therapist. If you've mm -hmm. never done it before, it will help you so much. Um, and like you've said right at the beginning, just tell somebody, just talk. You, everyone's got at least one person. And if you don't just go find it, they are out there. It's worth it. It's not always easy. It's really, really, really hard to talk at the beginning, but it gets easier and easier and easier. And it's led me to this podcast. And I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Dude, hundred percent, man. Thank you, man. I can't, can't thank you enough for doing this. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, it's an honor. I am so happy to see that you're doing this and that um, I'm happy to watch it grow because this is still kind of early stages. Yeah, man. So I get to sit back and watch you continue <laughs> and get more and more people on here. And it's an exciting thing because I'm in full support of, of everything that this represents and what it is. Um, it's a safe place and it's, a, it's an incredible way to do this. It's going to help so many people. It already has helped so many people. Definitely, man. Thank you for saying that. And um, if if you want to plug anything, Instagram, uh, any handles that you feel like sharing? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram. It's my it's my photography account because um, it's what I do for a living. 
but it's pretty much what I run everything from. It's my personal one. It's <laughs> J-E-N-T-R-I-E-E. That's it. Gentry, thank you so much for doing this, man. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I just I wish you all the best with everything. And I look forward to talking with you again in the future. Thank you. I hope we run into each other someday. <laughs> hope so, man. <laughs> all right. Take we'll care. talk soon. Dude, that was amazing. That it's was so weird. Like, it's so crazy to me that I'm even doing this. I have goosebumps right now, bro. <laughs> I can't even believe this shit. That was fucking awesome, man.